Well, good morning and Merry Christmas. Who's excited to be here today? Come on, make some noise. Excited to be here? Man. I love being with our church family and worship them, especially on Sunday. We also welcome back to our Ashland campus. We are one church in two locations. Right now we have an Ashland campus there in Boyd County. Can we get for our Ashland campus for tuning in with us today? I'm telling you, man, what God's doing in this region is this unbelievable. And welcome everybody watching online. If you're traveling with us, thank you for tuning in. You know, last year we caught off our Christmas services because of the snow. And this year, I prayed that it would not snow so we could worship together. But I want you to know, as soon as service over, I'm praying for 12 inches of snow tonight, okay? I'm begging the Lord to drop the snow. I want a white Christmas, not a wet Christmas, a white Christmas, as Pastor Adam says, so we can have a pajama day so that we can get frustrated and learn how to pray putting toys together. Can I get a witness? I'm telling you, that's just crazy. Uh, but anyway, so good to be with you guys as, as we finish this series called The Gift. If you've missed it, you could go back and watch any of it online. We'd love for you to be part of it. Uh, but today, I wanna take you on a journey. You know, I had a pastor friend, he contacted me. He said, man, he said, listen, he said, how do you preach Christmas and Easter? Like, those are like, they're supposed to be the easiest ones, right? Because everybody's familiar with the story. But a lot of times, they could be the hardest one. We had a great conversation and sharing just some experience uh, through the years of having when it comes to Christmas and Easter, one of the things they say, because most people know the story, right? You have this manger, you have baby, you have, you have Joseph, you have Mary, you had shepherds, you had a star, you had wise men, all this stuff. And so we always try to figure out, you know, something about the story that we may have overlooked. And so I wanna take you on a journey. And this journey starts all the way back 2,600 years ago, almost not from today, but close enough. So nobody really wants to go back and think of what it was like 2,600 years ago, but it's very important to go back to that day. There's this guy in Babylon named King Nebuchadnezzar. Now, if you've been in Sunday school before, you've probably heard this guy named King Nebi, or at least you've heard of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who was thrown into the fire. So this is the guy I'm talking about, King Nebuchadnezzar. He is in modern-day Iraq. So if you could think of picture of the Middle East right now, I want you, if you think, if you could see, here's like Iraq and then Iran, and then here's Baghdad, we've been there, we understand about the war and stuff that took place there. He's in Babylon, which is modern day Iraq. He just came all the way over and defeated Egypt. And King Nebuchadnezzar is on his way back to Iraq, at that time would be called Babylon or Persia. And so at that time, King Nebuchadnezzar said, I want you to stop by Jerusalem and I want you to besiege it. I want you to take over Jerusalem. Folks, listen, they have been fighting for thousands of years. Thousands of years. We see it happening right now in front of us. The Bible has predicted everything you're watching on the news. Like CNN and Fox News said, well, you know, the Bible already told us this. We're not just seeing journalists over there. It's already explained this. They have been fighting for thousands of years. So King Nebuchadnezzar gave the command to his chief of staff, I want you to go into Jerusalem and I want you to besiege it, take it over, and they did. And when you get there, I want you to go to the tribe of Judah, who's the royal tribe, and I want you to capture and enslave the best of the best teenage boys. I want you, they have to look good, they have to be healthy, they have to be strong, they have to be educated, they have to be as, 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 and wise, and I want you to go and take them. So the chief of staff went to Jerusalem, and he went to the tribe of Judah, and he went and knocked on your door, and if you had a teenage son, they would enslave them. They would take them. And he took these boys, a bunch of these Jewish boys, and it made the trek all the way back from Jerusalem, all the way around Syria, and all the way back to modern-day Iraq, at that time known as Babylon or Persia. And these four of these boys we're familiar with. Daniel, in the Bible, remember Daniel lines then? 
Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The D is not silent, by the way, just on Abednego. So these four boys who are really close. In fact, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is actually the, the Babylonian name for them. They renamed them once they brought them here. And they said, we want for the next three years, we're gonna teach you our language, our custom, our strategy, our religion, our science. We're gonna teach you everything because King Nebuchadnezzar wants you boys, all these Jewish boys, to be raised up to be in the royal court here in the palace. And so if you remember the story, they came to Daniel and they said, Daniel, you gotta eat what the king wants you to eat. And Daniel says, I'm not gonna defile my God. I'm not gonna eat what the king wants me. But I tell you what, the guy says, if you don't eat what the king wants, he will behead me. They've been beheading people for a very long time in this area. And he said, okay, okay, well, what, what, do you, what do you want us to do? He said, listen, let us eat our own food, our vegetables and stuff, it's called the Daniel Fast. Let us eat what we want to eat, and you come back and check us out. If we're healthy, if we look good, if we're strong, and then we'll keep doing what we're doing. If not, we'll, we'll figure something out. 10 days later, he comes back and says, man, you boys, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and Daniel, you guys, man, you're healthier than everybody else. You keep doing what you are doing. Well, because of that, they're infancy, they're in training in the ways of science and stuff. They're part of the magi, they're part of the magicians, the sorcerers, the wise men. We notice that King Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. He has this dream that keeps him up all night, and he's scared to death of his dream, so he calls all the magicians, all the sorcerers, all the wise men, all the magicians in, and he sets them down, all the astronomers, he says, I've had a dream, and I want you to interpret the dream. The wise men said, tell us what the dream is so that we can interpret it. He says, no, 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 you're not gonna play me like a fool. If you're so wise and you're so smart, tell me what I'm thinking. One of the chief wise men walked up and said, sir, O king, your majesty, no one knows the king's heart. No one knows your mind but the gods. How can you expect us to look into your soul, read what's in your mind, interpret what the dream was without you telling us the dream? Well, that made King Nebuchadnezzar so mad. He went to the chief of staff. He said, kill every wise man in the land. Every wise man in Babylon, all the magicians, all the sorcerers, all, all these people, the astronomers, kill them all. Well, they come and they knock on Daniel's door. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Hey, guys, got some bad news. King Nebi wants you dead. And Daniel, real quick, gets in front of the boy and said, wait, 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 before you kill us, what, what's the problem? He said, well, King Nebuchadnezzar had a dream and no one knows the secret, no one knows the dream, and because of that, he's, he's wanna kill all the magicians, he's wanna kill all the sorcerers, all the wise men, and he says, could you take me to the king right now? And so before they killed Daniel, they took him to the king, and the, he looked at the king and said, king, could you give us just a little bit of time? Will you just extend it, just give us some time? And King Nebuchadnezzar said, absolutely, you could do it. So Daniel goes back and he gets Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and they get on their knees and says, right now you gotta beg God to give us the secret what's inside King Nebuchadnezzar's mind or we're all dead. So the, the Bible says all night long they prayed, dear God, give us the secret. Dear God, show us what it is. And finally God revealed to Daniel the dream, the secret that was in the heart of King Nebuchadnezzar. And so Daniel calls for the guard, take me to the king, and he takes him to the king and says, oh king, I know your secret. And the king said, you think you know the secret in my heart? And Daniel says, listen, there is no man on the planet who knows the secret in your heart. No man can discern what's there. I'm here to tell you, I'm not wise, I'm not smart, I'm not good, but the God, the true God, has given me the secret into your soul, into your heart, and into your dream. Because I can't do it, God can do it. He says, what's the dream? And Daniel said, you had a dream of a statue and there was gold and bronze and there was clay and it's gonna fall and it's gonna crumble and here's what's gonna happen. 
and explains the dream to him. Well, King Nebuchadnezzar could not believe that he could do this, that he took and he elevated Daniel to be, watch this, this is, oh, I'm gonna read to you, Daniel chapter two, verse 48. Then the king appointed Daniel to a high position and gave him many valuable gifts. And here's very important, you cannot miss this. He made Daniel ruler of over the whole province of Babylon, as well as the chief of over all his wise men. These little teenage boys from the tribe of Judah snatched from their families, enslaved in modern day Iraq, which is known as Babylon and Persia. God gives him a vision, the secret to the king's dream. And then here God takes his teenage boy and elevates him to be amongst, watch this, over all the science, astronomers, studies of sorcery, magic, magicians, wise men, all this. He puts him in complete charge of all of them as his young Hebrew, Hebrew boy. Well, we get to Daniel chapter four. King Nebuchadnezzar has a dream of a tree. Go get Daniel. Yes, sir, what's going on? I had this dream. Tell me the dream. And then Daniel was scared to death to tell the king what the dream was because it was really bad for the king. And Daniel says, oh, sir, oh, wise man, here's, here's, here's what's gonna happen. And 12 months later, exactly what Daniel said came to pass, and now Daniel is known as the one who can interpret dreams and foresee what's to come. They didn't call him a prophet, but they could foresee what is to come. So everyone looked and revered this Hebrew boy who's now enslaved in Babylon as the one who was the wisest of them all. Well, many, many years passed. A new king is in place, King Belshazzar. King Belshazzar throws a party with a thousand people and all the people there are celebrating and they go and they get the gold and the silver cups that King Nebuchadnezzar took from Jerusalem from the temple of God and they pour wine into it and while they're at the party, King Belshazzar looks over on the wall and he sees a hand come down that appears. He describes it as a hand with a finger and the finger begins to write on the wall. If I'm at that party, someone's had too much to drink, y'all. You know what I'm saying? If you're standing with someone, man, you see that hand over there writing on the wall? Something's wrong. But the problem is it didn't go away. And then everybody saw it. And it was written on the wall. Everyone's freaked out. So King Belshazzar says, what do I do? Well, there's a guy named Daniel. He's a Hebrew boy. He interpreted all these dreams. He's not a boy now. He's a man. He interpreted all these dreams. He said, man, we should call him in. He called in the chief. Call in Daniel. Daniel, read this to me. Explain what is this handwriting on the wall? And Daniel interprets it, says, this is what God is wanting you to see. And that very night, King Belshazzar dies. He's murdered. And King Darius takes over. And I want you to hear what happens in Daniel 5, 29. Then the Belshazzar, here's what the king did. Daniel was dressed in purple robes. He had gold chain that hung around his neck. He had, this is the original drip, man. This is, like, this is the original drip, like gangster Daniel right here. He had the gold chains around his neck. And he was proclaimed, the th look at this. The third highest ruler in modern day Iraq, Persia, Babylon, who they took 1,700 miles away from the tribe of Judah. God now elevates him to be the third in command of everything. Well, the high officers could not stand it. They could not stand that this Hebrew boy is leading Babylon. So they said, we've got to find a way to knock Daniel down. How can we destroy Daniel and take him out? 
And they started going through and said, let's do this. Well, he can't. He's a man of integrity. He, does, he won't lie. He doesn't steal. He doesn't cheat. But there's nothing we can do. And one of the guys says, let's use his religion against him. I've got an idea. So they go to King Darius. They knocked on the door and said, King Darius, the wise man, the wise king, can we, can we add, suggest something to you? Yes, what do you want to suggest? Hey, for the next 30 days, could you put an edict that's out, a command, a covenant, that no one for the next 30 days can pray to any other God or any other name except you, O King Darius, because you're the man. King Darius goes, you know what, that sounds pretty good. I am the man. Okay, let's do it. And he takes his ring and he signifies it and he puts it in ink. And when he does, it's irrevocable. There's no change in it. If anyone for the next 30 days prays to any other God except to King Darius, you will be killed. Well, Daniel doesn't give a rip. He, just, he don't care what the king said. He goes back to his room and he opens up the window and he faces towards Jerusalem, his home where he's been now stolen from and slaved into Babylonians. He took himself, he faced towards Jerusalem and three times a day he prayed to Yahweh, the one true God. Every single day. Well, the high official says, got him, got him. And they go back to King Darius and say, King Darius, this boy over here, you remember Daniel? Yeah, I know who Daniel is. Well, guess what? He's praying to his God and you wrote a command and it cannot be irrevoked that whoever prays to a God will be killed. <laughs> Kill him. King Darius is blown away. His heart is broken because he loves Daniel. So he goes and finds a way to get himself out of the contract. How can I, make, how can I change this? How can I fix this? I don't want Daniel to die. And he realized when he puts his ring on it, there's no turning back. And so he goes to Daniel and said, Daniel, I am so sorry. I love all this stuff. May your God protect you. And you know the story, right? If you've been in Sunday school, they take Daniel and they put him into the lion's den. The Bible says all night long, King Darius is just staying up all night going, dear God, please protect him. Please, can he still be alive? And the next morning, you know the Bible story, right? He goes to the lion's den. He says, Daniel, are you there? And Daniel says, I am here. And the king was so thrilled, he said, my God has sent his angels down to shut the lion's mouth and he did not destroy me. Well, they got him out of the lion's den and King Darius was so upset that they tried to trick him into killing Daniel. So the ones that they tricked into killing Daniel, he threw them and their families into the lion's den. King Daniel now, King, King Darius goes and he elevates Daniel to be the greatest of the time, gives him all these gifts and all this stuff. And he says, there's no God like this Hebrew boy's God. He saves, he's merciful, he interprets dreams, he gives secrets, he tells him the future. There is no God like Daniel's God, and he put it out all over modern-day Iraq, all over Persia and Babylon, that this is the God, the God of Daniel. Well, then Daniel began to have his own dreams, and Daniel began to have his own visions. And now Daniel is petrified of what God has been showing him. We get all the way to Daniel chapter seven and we see here that God gives him a vision of the four beasts and then he interprets it. Daniel chapter eight, he has a vision of a ram and a goat and Gabriel comes to Daniel and says what you are seeing is a vision of the end times that's gonna take place. And folks, I'm telling you what they saw and what he says is fulfilling right now in front of us. Daniel, in his own time, 2,600 years ago-ish, does it understand how to interpret what he would see future? So he's petrified. The Bible says his face turns pale of what is to come. But then we get to Daniel chapter nine. And Daniel's praying and begging God to forgive him of his sins and all the sins of his people. 
And in the middle of that, God begins to give him this vision and dream and sends Gabriel down to interpret the dream for him. And I wanna read you this part in Daniel chapter nine. That was all introduction. You ready for the sermon? We got just a few minutes. Pray for me. Your, your coffee will be warm. Just hang tight, I promise. I told you I'm gonna take you on a journey. There's a point behind this. In Daniel chapter nine, I want you to read what Daniel says. As I was praying, praying Gabriel who also is the one that appears to Mary and tells Mary that she's pregnant or will be pregnant with God's son. As praying, Gabriel, whom I seen in the earlier vision, came in swiftly to me at the time of the evening sacrifice. He explained to me, he said, Daniel, I have come here to give you insight and understanding. The moment that you begin praying, a command was given to me, and I am now here to tell you what it is. For you are very precious to God, so listen carefully so that you can understand the meaning of your vision. Now we're gonna do some math here. This is very important. I know, where's my math people at? I figured only two of you. Okay, that's all right. I just, I just guessed there'd be like two. That's like, like less than nano percent here. The way they do math today, dear Lord, help us. Go back how they used to do math. Anyway, don't get me started. All right, verse 24, this is very important. A period of 70 sets of seven. Now let me explain that. 70 sets, that's 70 years of seven. That's the interpretation here. 70 years of seven. So 70 times seven is 490. So there's gonna be, here's what it says. Gabriel says there's gonna be a period of 490 years. And we're gonna break those 490 years up into three sections. It's very important. And I don't wanna lose you here, but this is, this, 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 this is where we're going. Three sets here. We're gonna break up the 490 years. Now look what he says. A period of 490 years has been decreed for your people and your holy city to finish their rebellion, to put an end to their sins, to atone for their guilt, to bring in the everlasting righteousness to confirm the prophetic vision, the anoint of the most holy place. Now listen, verse 25. Seven sets of seven, now wait, 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 seven sets of seven, so that'd be seven times seven. So there'll be a set of 49 years, look what he says here, seven sets of seven, there'll be a times of 49 years plus, here's what we're at, a set of 62 sets of seven. That's 434 years. I'm gonna do the math for you. So there's gonna be a period of 49 years, something's gonna take place. There's gonna be a set section of 434 years and something will take place and then there'll be another section of just seven years left. Watch this. So 434 years will pass when the time that the command is given to rebuild Jerusalem until a ruler, the anointed one, this is the Messiah, this is King Jesus, when the anointed one will come, Jerusalem will be rebuilt with streets, strong defenses, despite the pearliest times. So here's what he's saying. And 400, let's just keep reading verse 26. We'll go over this and we'll come back to the math. After this period of 62 sets of seven, so what is he saying? After the 49 years plus the 434 years is 483 years. After, the, after 483 years, this is so poor. People, listen, if you don't believe the Bible, when you sit there going, I just don't trust that book, that's just written by a bunch of old men, some man, tradition passed down, and how can you trust the Bible? Listen to me, 
I just told you the whole backstory of Daniel to get you to the point that Daniel was seen as a person who listens to God, interprets dreams and visions, and can foretell and foresee the future. And Daniel will tell you today if he was sitting here, not because I'm smart, not because I went to school, it's because God told me. And I want you to see this, 483 years, verse 26. After the period of the 49 and the 434, which is 483 years, the anointed one will be killed. Who is the anointed one? It's Sunday school, y'all. The answer is Jesus, okay? You're in church. Jesus, that's the answer, right? Jesus. So he's saying 483 years after this point, when Jerusalem is being rebuilt, the anointed one will be killed. He will die. And keep, listen, listen. Jerusalem will be rebuilt and the streets, he says, the anointed one, sorry, verse 26, will be killed appearing to have accomplished nothing. You know, when Jesus died, he says, here's the king of the Jews, the one we thought for sure he would be the one. It feels like he didn't do anything. And then a ruler will arise whose armies will destroy the city and the temple. And that's exactly what happened in 70 AD when the Roman, when Titus came back and destroyed the temple of God. Exactly what he said. Now the question is, what took place to start the timeline of 483 years? King Xerxes and the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah's heart breaks for the wall to be rebuilt in Jerusalem. He goes to the king and says, King, may I go back and rebuild Jerusalem at 445 BC? Scholars believe that's when the 483 years timer started and if you'll go from the moment when Nehemiah goes back to rebuild the ball just like Daniel said and you go all the way out 483 years in a Jewish calendar or a Georgian calendar Jewish has 360 days the Georgian has 365 days whichever way you figure that this has leap year in it this one don't have leap year in it it all comes both calendars to 30 A.D. Scholars debate right now, was Jesus crucified on April the 3rd, 33 AD, or was he crucified on April the 7th, 30 AD? It really doesn't matter, it's not salvific in that point. Depends on how you shift the calendar. Exactly what Daniel said that Gabriel told him, the anointed one would die 483 years after Jerusalem begins rebuild, and that's exactly what took place when Jesus was crucified. And then remember I said there's one other seven sets, I don't have time to get into it. There was 49 years, 434, that leaves seven years left. Right, 490 minus 43, I'm not good at math, that's seven. And that's what's known as the tribulation period that I preached through in the book of Revelation last, this last family nights. That seven years, the last seven of seven, look what he says in verse 27. The ruler will make a treaty, that's the Antichrist, with the people for the period of a set of seven. What's a set of seven? Seven years. One set of seven, that's seven times one, that's seven years. But after his half, halfway through the tribulation, he will put it into the sacrifices offering. Gabriel just showed Daniel when Jesus would die, 
There will be a gap. We're living in a gap right now. That's a church age gap. But there'll come a seven-year period, a seven-year tribulation, when everyone will have tried to have peace with Israel. There will be no peace until the Antichrist signs it. And I'm here to tell you, we are so close. Exactly what he said. So you're sitting here saying, thank you for the Bible lesson. What does that have to do with Jesus and Santa and Christmas and me? has everything to do with us. Because Matthew 2, that was our verse for the last whole, this whole series. Matthew 2, verse one, look what it says. Jesus was born in Bethlehem, Judea, there in the reign of King Herod. <laughs> About that time, some wise men from Babylon arrived to Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose and we've come to worship him. How do they know that? How did magis and magicians and wise men and sorcerers, how did they know that this was the time that Jesus was born and took the whole caravan, the whole family and traveled on donkeys 1,700 miles to come find this newborn king? How did they know? It's because God in the midst of men's depravity, when King Nebuchadnezzar went to Egypt, conquered Egypt on the way back, took a little boy named Daniel, took him all the way back to Babylon, made him the chief of all the wise men. And Daniel began to lead the school and teach all the magicians, all the sorcerers, all the magic ones, the anointed ones gonna come 483 years after the rebuilding of the temple, put it down on paper. And it was passed down from generations to generations to generations. He will be a king, he will be a priest, but the Bible says he will be, he will be killed. He will be cut off. Every wise man knew that. So for generations, for 400 years, they are waiting. And when the temple started being rebuilt, they did the math and they said, it comes out to be around 30 AD when he will be killed. That means if he has to be a priest, the Bible teaches that it has to be 30 years old or you cannot be a priest. So they did the math and they went backwards. If he's gonna die at 30 AD, we gotta show up sometime around here to start looking for him because he should be born around this time. And the Bible tells us, it sees that he was born in the time of King Herod. Herod died at four BC. So somewhere between six BC and four BC, Jesus was born. I know the whole map is off in the common air and all that stuff, but somewhere right here. So the wise men calculated what Daniel said and they went back 30 years and said, someone right here, he will be born. This should give us time to find him. And they come knocking in Jerusalem, where's the king? And everybody in Jerusalem was like, what king? The one the Hebrew boy Daniel has been teaching us through his teachings and writing for the last 450 years. We've come for the anointed one, the king of the Jews the great high priest. But Daniel told us that he will die a murderer's death because Gabriel told him. And so now let's conclude the series, right? So what did it happen? Look what happens in verse nine. 
After this interview, the wise men went on the way because King Herod said, go find the baby. And the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. People all, what's the star? Was, was it a drone? Was it an alien? Was it the five planets and Jupiter and everything lined up? Was it a comet? I'm here to tell you my opinion. No one knows. My suggestion, it was none of them. Because the comet doesn't appear and disappear and move and stop. It just goes. Planets align and then they move, but they don't disappear. You can see it. This was a light. They saw that it was something special. It disappeared. They got to Jerusalem. It reappeared and it took and stopped over the house where the baby was. For me, I'm gonna tell you what I believe it was. I believe it was just a kind of glory of God. The same cloud at night, the pillar by fire at night that led the Israelites, it's the same presence of God who illuminated the sky. They, they're astronomers, so they thought, is it a comet, is it a star? And it was the, I believe is the presence of God leading them to Jesus. And I want you to see this, look here. So verse 11, they entered the house, they saw the child and his mother, the one that Daniel told them that would be born and that would die around 30 AD. They saw the mother and they bowed down who worshiped the king because Daniel said he would be a king. And look what they gave him, the gifts. They gave him gold because he's a king. They gave him frankincense because he's a priest. And they gave him myrrh because Daniel said he will die. And I'm here to tell you, the same God that led Daniel to Babylon, the same God that led the wise men to Jerusalem, it's the same God that led you here this morning. You are not here by mistake. You're not here by accident. You're not here because of an invite. You're not here because someone says, if you go to church, I'll get you a great Christmas present. You're not here for free food. Listen. Whatever woke you up this morning, whatever you think in your mind you came, the only reason is because the Holy Spirit drawed you here. Nothing within you wants to seek after the things of God. Nothing within you wants you to do the things of God. Listen, you may be messed up and jacked up this morning and you're here going, listen, man, I'm just glad, you just be glad that I'm here. Listen to me. God already knew that you would be here. And he brought you here for this one reason right here, and here it is. He loves you. Pastor, I've blown it. You don't understand. I have made so many. He loves you. And his grace and his mercy woke you up this morning, gave you breath this morning, so that you would have a second chance this morning to turn from your sin and give your life to God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, to the God of Daniel who interprets dreams and gives secrets, to the God of the wise men who sought after the newborn king, the anointed, to the God who loved you so much that he sent his only son to die for you. You cannot go to the crib without going to the cross because he was born to die and he wants to be your king of your life he is your priest is which means he's the me you don't have to come to me you don't have to go to a priest you don't have to go to the pope you don't have to go anywhere you have now access to god because he's your great high priest he became your sacrifice because honestly i should have to die for my sins but God in his goodness and his grace and his mercy sent his son and died in my place. 
Now watch it. Who would neglect that? For those of you who don't believe the Bible, listen to me. How in the world did Daniel, to almost the date, tell you when Jesus was going to die? And I believe that it is true. And he also says there will come a point where there's going to be a seven-year tribulation where we believe the rapture will take place. The Antichrist will show up. He'll sign a peace treaty with Israel. And for three and a half years, they will have peace. But there'll be no peace in the Middle East until God redeems his church, takes his church, and the Antichrist shows up. And I'm here to tell you that is sooner than you can imagine. All this tied to the Christmas story. So I want you to ask yourself this question. God, why did you bring me here today? He could take you anywhere you wanted. And I'm praying all over our county and Ashland and Boyd County and all over the world that churches are filled with people seeking. But don't leave like the priest when they went there and they said, where's the, he goes, he's supposed to be born in Bethlehem. Everybody knows that. And they never went. Be like the wise men and seek after Jesus. I'm gonna ask you what to bow your heads. Tonight, tomorrow, people are going to be giving gifts. There's nothing wrong with that. But before you even go into that, I pray that you would receive the greatest gift. And that's salvation because it's free. It costs Jesus everything. The Bible says if you will confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. And that's my prayer. Ashland, Moorhead, online, that's my prayer. Is that today that you will receive the King of glory and you would give your life to him. And in just in a moment, your campus pastor or host, they're gonna come out and they're gonna share with you your next steps. I pray that you would have the boldness and the courage to take that next step. And I will tell you this, if you've given your life to Jesus, and today, if you just gave your life to Jesus, and you haven't been baptized, that is your next step. And next Sunday, we are gonna end this year like none other, man. You don't wanna miss next Sunday. And we're gonna party, and we're gonna celebrate, and there's gonna be people who be baptized. And if you've never been baptized, come on, next week, let's make it happen right here. It's gonna be amazing, you don't wanna miss it. Father, thank you so much for your love and your grace and your mercy that woke us up this morning, that gave us breath this morning, that brought us here this morning. I pray, Lord, that with all the distraction that we have coming up with the holiday, may we never forget that we can trust your word. We can trust who you are and that we will seek after you. I can't wait to see what you're gonna do, Lord. It's in your name we ask and we pray. And everybody said, amen.